Hey, Twisted History listeners, you can find us every Wednesday night on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Hey, everybody. Welcome on back to the Twisted History Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor. That's 3Chi. 3Chi is wonderful. They create Delta 8, Delta 9 products that can be delivered straight to your door. You don't need to go to a dispensary anymore. You got to go to 3Chi.com. That's the number 3Chi.com. And use the code STOOL5 for 5% off your order at checkout. Go there right now and load yourself up on this. 3Chi's got everything. Any kind of way that you want to get it. Gummies, tinctures, oils, anything that you want to get this slightly psychoactive stuff into your body. That's why you got to be 21 years or older to purchase it. It's our favorite. It's our favorite when we travel. It's our favorite when we watch movies. Go to 3Chi.com, use STOOL5, and you will not be disappointed. 3Chi is our presenting sponsor, and I love them. Hey everybody, welcome on back to the Twisted History Podcast. This week we're going to do the Twisted History of Hitler's Kits. Twisted his, uh, History, uh, that didn't come off the, the mouth that easy. The Twisted History of Hitler's Kids. Uh, it's myself, it's Vibs, it's Jack Coleman. Jack Coleman is back in the house as opposed to John and we're happy to have him. John's going to be traveling over the next couple of weeks. I think one of the ones he's in uh, Paris with his wife, his lovely wife Justine, who was at the fights with us this weekend in the Barclays Center. Came with Annie and I go see the Deontay Wilder fight. Uh, St. Anne is in the house, as always, taking uncomfortable pictures of us, probably from my bad side. And we're going to talk about Hitler, and we're going to talk about babies, two of my favorite, uh, well, one of my favorite things in the world. I love babies, and I hate Hitler. So uh, we're going to get going on it. How are you, Bebsy? I'm doing well. I'm excited about this. Originally, you pitched this to me as Hitler's kids, yes. which you said in the beginning, and I was like, wait, does Hit- Hitler had kids? Mm. Hitler did not have kids, and yet Hitler had 8 million kids. It's a little bit of a dichotomy. So we're going to talk about Hitler Youth. We're going to break this thing down into, uh, into three sections. Who the Nazis, as far as kids uh, were concerned, didn't want, who they turned away. And then when they got the ones that they wanted in-house, when they wanted to make more, how did they make them? That's part two. And once they found out the ones that they wanted and they made them or they acquired them, what were they going to do with the ones that they kept? So it's a three-part series. Before I get going on that, it's a little bit of an update on Twisted History. Oh, a couple of people had hit me. We did um, something last week, uh, Twisted History 1968, and there was a, uh, a military accident where a, one of the Boeing super fortresses had crashed off the coast of Greenland in a town called, I kept on calling it Tule, but it's Thule. Like, uh, yeah. So I guess that's how you pronounce those fucking things that go on the top of cars. Are they called Thule's? I have no idea. Yeah, neither did I. So it's T-H-U-L-E. And everybody who has any experience with Thule um, has told me that it's absolutely bleak. So the fact that, you know, all these nuclear tonnage, megaton, whatever the hell you want to call them. By the way, the bombs didn't fully explode. The um, explosives around the bombs had exploded, which caused this gigantic megaton explosion. And then it created a dirty bomb with the nuclear stuff that was within it. But it was a big deal around Thule around 1968. So that's the only thing that I'm going to correct myself from last week, which isn't bad. That's not bad. Uh, what's the place in North Carolina? Oh, Raleigh? Raleigh. Yeah. Every yeah, time I see Raleigh. that pop up, I don't even want to pronounce it. I'm yeah. not going to take that on. And I'm still a New Orleans guy instead of New Orleans. New Orleans? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. Secondly, uh, ugly uh, Christmas sweater season is about it, to be upon us. This is a disappointment. Yeah. Are you doing one for uh, Lauren the Bar? We got a, I promise not to puke one. Okay. Yeah. We're doing Merry Chris Musk with a Elon Musk and a hat for um, finance, Barstool Finance. Brilliant. Which is fine, yeah. 
But Twisted History was asked to do a couple of uh, Christmas sweaters. So we put three in. The first one was Joe Biden with a Santa hat, and it was saying, uh, Happy Halloween. I thought that was funny. <laughs> funny. And, yeah, I thought it was I, funny. I, I think they'd do numbers. Yeah. By the way, somebody said they're not watching us anymore because we're uh, – we're, um, did they say we're too liberal? Or we're too re- – somebody had said something because they shit on Trump. So the guy's like, maybe I'm a liberal can, uh, cuck. <laughs> I think I they know. did call us libs. Yeah, I think lib, it might have been lib, lib, lib cucks. Right, right. Is yeah. the you scientific know, term. You know nothing yeah. about me. Uh, the second was so it was Joe Biden saying Happy Halloween. I would have worn that. Second one was Jeffrey Dahmer standing in a doorway with the caption, "But baby, it's cold outside." From that old um, song, kind yeah. of a rapey song. Yeah, yeah. You really can't leave because go. I'm going to eat you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. What's and the in th- this drink? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's in this drink? And the third one was Woody Allen standing in the manger as Joseph, you know, over the birth of Christ. And the caption uh, said, I was hoping for a daughter, which I thought would have been fucking fantastic also. All three of those would have had Twisted Christmas at the bottom. All three were next. They were thrown away. I, I think the, the Biden one, great. The Dahmer one, amazing. The Woody Allen one, that's a little tougher because you see a picture of Woody Allen and you're like, hey, who's that? Right. Bald dude. Right. You thought, but which one? Okay, so you have to have one. You love the Dahmer one. Honestly, I like the. I think the Biden one is Biden is top good. notch. I, I just think that's a very expensive. funny joke. I wanted to do you as the as Dahmer with the glasses and the mugshot. I, I thought that would have been perfect. I think the the Biden one probably would have done. I don't. But we did the Dahmer one before the Dahmer yes. Netflix thing came yes. out, so it just like happened that it would yeah. have been even better. So I think the Dahmer one would have done. What a numbies. hipster thing to say! But Biden's is so funny. We were Dahmer before yeah. Dahmer was uh, popular. Yeah. I like. I mean, obviously, I'm biased, so I would have went for the Woody Allen one. Um, just because I think it's so damn good, but uh, but either way, we won't because the powers that be, Libstool, uh, will not Amen. let it happen. But that being said, there'll be a lowering the bar Christmas sweater, ugly Christmas sweater. There'll be a bar stool finance, ugly Christmas sweater, and I'm sure a bunch of others. We'll just uh, we'll just not get into it. All right. So going from those heavy heavy topics of Christmas sweaters, let's get into something a little light. Kids in Nazi Germany. We, so, we spoke about nicotine, and we t- spoke about tobacco a couple of weeks ago, and we broke it down that when tobacco first became popular and when the big uh, boys started to form, I can't remember what year they started to form, but it was all around the same time when the, you know, um, like the Philip Morrises of the world and whatnot started to, to um, incorporate. Shit, I can't remember. But either way, the first thing they did is they went after men, right? That's mm-hmm. That's the target market for everybody. Cigars were a male-dominated product. So cigarettes, by definition of their name, Etts, like the Ron Etts, the Ray Letts, were originally aimed then towards women. Mm. So you had cigars and men, and men spend money, and then they go towards women. And then after they tried to capture the market on women, which wasn't um, successful right away, but it wound up that men really took the cigarettes uh, gangbusters. They then went the easy route and sent millions and millions of packs overseas to soldiers. So they went after soldiers, and they wound up hooking uh, millions and millions of soldiers on nicotine. Then after that, they went back towards women by feminizing a lot of the ads. Finally, they went to minorities by making all these different flavored ones and obviously making the ads a little bit more urban. And at the end, particularly now with like the smokeless stuff, they went for the kids, mm-hmm. right? It's like the kids are almost the last target for stuff that's not good. Nazism is not good. It never has been. And the reason that it was brought about was to have this clean um, Aryan race. 
but kids were the first thing that people went after. Hitler in particular. Mm. I, I, Go ahead. I feel like in the short term, going after kids isn't great because they don't have money, so you don't want to get them to right. buy stuff. But in the long term, if you can get these kids to be indoctrinated into the product and love it, you have a customer for life whenever they do have money. When did that worm turn, by the way? Like back in the 50s and 60s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, where everybody wore hats and guys wore like suits to the fucking beach mm-hmm. and everybody on, on the radio was 40 years old. Um, then you should go towards the older generation when you're aiming for any kind of big product. But now I think it's all aimed towards the kids. This is not me yelling on my yard saying, get the fuck off my lawn. But it is like the, the, the culture has changed to where it has become such a youth-oriented ad fucking space. Because yeah. a lot of people in ads do not dress like me. Right. They wear these things. No, I'm just kidding. But you know what I'm they're, saying? They're, like, they're, they're 1970s ABA players. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> I think when you're growing up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, so that would be me, that a lot of the um, markets, uh, a lot of the marketing had older people in it. And it shifted mm. somewhere along the line where it did become like uh, target towards youth and just about everything. That's yeah. when parents made decisions. Now they're letting the right. kids make the decisions. The uh, kids decide. They see it. I want it. I have to have now it. Now she's yes. yelling, get off the lawn. Yeah. No, right. it's just the way it is. It's not, I, right. well, I'm guilty of it. I'm totally guilty of it. Right. My, you know, Never with the boys, but with, with the third one, I was like, because the boys didn't care. Mm-hmm. But the girl comes in. She's like, I have to have this. It sparkles, blah, blah, blah. And it was the cutest thing ever. How could you say no? So they yeah. don't market toward parents anymore. Right. But so, the Nazis did it right away. Mm-hmm. And part of the reasons why... It, they weren't marketing something illegal like booze or nicotine or anything like that. They were marketing um, a, a pure race, which is fucking crazy. So, again, who they turned away, how they tried to make them, and what they did with the ones that they kept. So, first, who did they turn away? And the reason that I mentioned that kids were first to market in this is because this happened before they marched 6 million Jews into ovens. This mm-hmm. happened before that. So, this is, this is very early. Here's an official notice to the parents of some child who was murdered under the Nazi Child Euthanasia Program in 1943. Okay, (laughs) This is the Child Euthanasia Program. That's what it was called. It wasn't used in the heading. Not many people knew that it was a Child Euthanasia Program. It it operated in the shadows. But this was was a mail. This was a piece of mail, a letter that these parents uh, received, Mr. and Mrs. Hofer. So it was dated February 6, 1943. To Mr. and Mrs. Hofer. Regretfully, I must inform you that your child suddenly died from pneumonia. A telegram to the child's mother was dispatched from here on the same day, and it incomprehensible why you have not yet received this message. So kicking the can a little bit on why they were getting it late. The child was mentally deficient, did not yet speak, and had no understanding of speech. It, he says here, it, not he or she. It also only barely walked. It also made no progress during its stay here. <laughs> Again, the, you know, this wasn't a gender issue. They, they knew what it was. In life, the child surely would never have become a useful human being and would have remained permanently bound to institutional care. Take this as a consolation that it was surely better for the child to be released through a gentle death. Signed the commanding director, Dr. E. Illing. So uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one as a parent to read. That's a tough one as someone who's not a parent to, I think, even um, hear. So these parents got a letter saying that their child who's mentally deficient had died from pneumonia. Okay? 
So, and we'll we'll learn in a couple minutes. That's all a fucking lie. I included the actual uh, letter in the thing. So, what's this all about? On August 18, 1939, 1939, the Reich Ministry of the Interior, Interior, excuse me, circulated a decree establishing Hitler's euthanasia department. This isn't a feel-good episode at all, and requiring all physicians, nurses, and midwives to report newborn infants and children under the age of three who showed signs of severe mental or physical disability. Beginning in October of that same year, 1939, public health authorities began to encourage parents of children with disabilities to admit their young children to one of a number of specially designated pediatric clinics throughout Germany and Austria. In reality, these clinics were children's killing wards. There, specially recruited medical staff murdered the kids. Okay, so you're a parent in Nazi Germany, your kid is born, if something's wrong with them in the hospital, they then get sent to these, um, these killing centers that you don't know are killing centers. I want to I stress that. The parents didn't know that they were sending away, being sent away. To it's kind of like a concentration camp. Yes. Just in a, yeah, in a, sort in of a like building, that. probably. Yeah, yeah, no work was being done, obviously, by the kids, their right. infants and stuff. Or, to make matters worse, if uh, your kid was sent home, but then you'd notice something wrong, you can then send them to these centers. But the reason that these centers were put in front of the parents was for rehabilitation, right? It wasn't for extermination. So it wasn't something that you were hiding your kids from uh, yet, okay? Around that same time, Hitler signed a secret authorization in order to protect participating physicians, medical staff, and administrators from any future prosecution. So Hitler knew that this was wrong from the beginning, knew that if the shit hit the fan, he wanted to protect these doctors who were going to be carrying out his will. Okay? And not that he gave a shit about the doctors, but it was able to convince these doctors. By the way, I put in a little bit of a uh, golden parachute for you guys. So if you think this is wrong, which I do not think it's wrong, it's Hitler talking, uh, you won't be uh, prosecuted. safety net. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect, right? Petitions from parents of disabled children to Hitler's chancellery that asked for their children to be given a mercy killing were used as a justifiable excuse to demonstrate that there was external demand for what Hitler was providing. I'll explain that a little bit. He got a couple of letters from parents who said, listen, I have an extremely mentally uh, deficient, mentally retarded, special needs kid, and I think it would be better off to have this kid put down. Can you help me? I would assume that that would be the um, the minority of parents with mm-hmm. special needs kids. Mm-hmm. But Hitler used these, you know, these unicorns as uh, justification for what he was doing. But long before that, Hitler talked about eliminating the weakest part of his Aryan herd. I wrote that. I like that uh, word. Um, the, eliminating the weakest part of the Aryan herd. In 1929, so we're going 10 years back, Hitler said at a Nazi party conference in Nuremberg, this is a quote, that an average annual removal of 700 to 800,000 of the weakest million babies meant an increase in the power of the nation and not a weakening. So if Nazi Germany was to give birth to a million babies over the course of the year, and Hitler thought that seven, we'll we'll go in the middle, 75% of those babies were not necessarily so fucked up but not to his standard. He thought that it was better to kill 750,000. Again, I'm playing the average here. This mm. isn't a boat. This isn't mm. one we can drive a truck through. Right. He said seven to 800,000. We'll go 750. 75% of those babies, 750,000, 
were okay to kill in order to have 250,000 strong fucking kids furthering the line. That's that's so that's so mine is thinking. Addition with this. addition by subtraction. Yeah. Like, Don't that... we have a problem? Don't we have a problem still as stupid historical podcasters envisioning Jack Coleman sitting in that audience and hearing, you know, Hitler say this in Nuremberg and Jack being like, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that, right? Don't don't we have a problem? Like, how do how are people and I know that maybe I should just do something on Hitler's charisma or, or the way that people went along mm-hmm. or, or some. But how does a guy, and Jack again is in his early 20s, so he's the target market for Hitler at the time. How does an intelligent guy like Jack uh, Coleman sit down there and say, okay, I can buy into this a little bit. Yeah, 250 strong kids is better than a million with 75% have limps. Like, you know what I'm saying, Jack? Like, I don't yeah. understand how the fuck this was sold. I don't know of anyone that's ever been able to get up in front of a fucking crowd and say, I'm willing to kill three quarters of a million babies out of a million. So as I'm going to talk about this, particularly Hitler and kids today, I, I still can't get my limited mind around the fact that they got physician. I don't want to do this, Hitler. I don't want to kill all these kids. Fear. And it's he was fear. like, yeah, so the fear has to be a huge part of it. But still, like, people still have morals, and people are willing to die for their Hippocratic oath, perhaps. There are some people who were, and some people who did, but... Charisma, his, he was a, extremely It was a perfect storm. It was a perfect yeah. storm, and the economic conditions after they had uh, lost World War One, people were desperate to bring, um, you know, bring Germany back to its, its former heydays, you know, when it was, like, part of the Holy Roman Empire, and obviously... Oh, I'm going to talk about that in the First and Second Reichs. Also, mob mentality is just... Wild. You yeah, see everyone else doing it, it, you're like, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. I don't want to be the, the one that sticks out and squeaky yeah. wheel gets right? degrees. Fear. And it's like that one Ignorance. fucking Fear, scene yeah. in um, Band of Brothers where they brought the local townspeople over after mm-hmm. they found that fucking concentration camp. Mm-hmm. And even though it was like six miles out of the town, they had no idea it was happening. So maybe there was like a hear no evil, see no evil. Yeah. Smell no evil, right? Because they had to have fucking stunk. Oh, yeah, they, they, he also drew upon scientific argument that transferred the Darwinian theory of natural selection to human beings. And though the concept of racial hygiene, through that concept of racial hygiene, he formulated the utopia of human selection. Okay, so natural selection with Darwin then became human selection underneath um, Hitler. And all this stuff goes back to what we spoke about in the twisted history of eugenics. All right, so we got that in mind now. Hitler has convinced everybody we need to have perfect kids out there in order to have a perfect society down the road. By the way, he was undersized. He was dark haired. He wasn't. He wasn't a fucking visible. Like he was one of those guys. I think might have been thrown off the mountain. It, it for Hitler to get where he, it was a perfect storm, like you said. Right. Like, but every, I, I, read, I watched a documentary where they're talking about like everyone's kind of again, kind of like Trump, where they're just kind of like, ah, yeah, no way this guy's gonna make it. Yeah. yeah he's just. He's a joke. This guy. Right. Uh, he's not anything to take seriously. And then he just kind of kept getting power and kept getting power and kept getting power. Right. I, but, but I think that still the hypocrisy of I want everybody to look like Francis, mm-hmm. but you look like Mantis, like you know, a hundred percent crazy to he, me. Yes, yes, he yeah, was yeah. an ugly dude. Yeah. So yeah. either way, by by hook or by crook, he convinced people to do this, and uh, so let's trim the herd. All right. So at first, medical professionals and clinic administrators included only infants and toddlers in the operation. Get them early, kill them early. It almost doesn't count. Okay. And then there were those newborn children who were automatically put on the block if suspected of being afflicted with the following congenital disorders. One, idiocy or mongolism, especially cases combined with blindness and deafness. Mongolism is now a very, very uh, ugly word. 
Two, microcephaly, meaning you had an, abnor- an abnormally small head. Uh, Three, hydrocephalus. I thought it was for people with small dicks. Oh, no. I mean, if I got to kill me. If my dick's that small, kill me. If I have a micro penis. We've not have known. uh, I'll be the first guy to sign up, Hitler. Hydrocephalus uh, to a severe or advanced degree. Hydrocephalus is water on the brain. Malformations of any and all kinds, particularly the absence of limbs. Severe midline defects of the head, spine, etc. And five, paralysis, including uh, cerebral palsy. Um, which that hits home. So as the scope of the measure widened, they included youths up to 17 years of age. Shit, that escalated quick. So they went from newborns to include kids who had these deficiencies up to 17 years old. Conservative estimates suggest that at least 10,000 physically and mentally disabled German children perished as a result of the child euthanasia program during the war years. Just during the war years, right? We're not going back to 1929. We're going to the war years. 10,000 German children. Once certified mentally ill, schizophrenic, and capable of working for one reason or the other, the youngsters were either starved to death. It was easy, it was easy to starve babies to death. It's very easy and it's very cheap. Injected with lethal substances or led to showers, right, where the children sat as pure bottled carbon monoxide gas flooded the room through water pipes. Okay, that old chestnut. A similar program was then expanded to adults, as we know, and the program officially became, well, we know that because it became the Holocaust, but I'm, I'm, I'm still before that. The program's official name became Action T4, which began to distribute carefully formulated questionnaires to all public health officials, public and private hospitals, mental institutions, and nursing homes for the chronically ill and aged. I'm fucked. The forms were well-worded, and they gave the impression that the survey was intended simply to gather statistical data, but it targeted a few specific categories, those suffering from schizophrenia, epilepsy, dementia, encephalitis, other chronic psychiatric and neurological disorders. So I'm going from infants to 17-year-olds to adults to crazy people. I'm sorry I'm using that term. Uh, People who are in um, insane asylums, I'll take back the crazy people thing, to now the elderly, schizophrenia, those not of or related to German blood, those criminally insane or committed uh, uh, crimes on criminal grounds. I don't understand why I said that. Criminally insane. Those who have been confined to an institution in question for more than five years. That's a big one, too. If you're in jail for over five years, you're starting to be a drain on the state, so all of a sudden your head could possibly be on the chopping block. Okay? On the basis of these forms, beginning in January 1940, the expanded T4, Action T4, began to remove patients selected for the euthanasia program from their home institutions, and the patients were transported by bus or by rail to one of the central gassing installations for killing. Again, these are Germans, okay? So this is different from the Holocaust. T4 people burned the bodies in crematoria attached to the gassing facilities. Other workers took the ashes of cremated victims from a common pile and just placed them in urns to send to the relatives of the victims because these notes were still going out. So Mr. and Mrs. Hoffer may have gotten a crude urn filled with ashes saying that it was either their son or daughter, but it wasn't. It was amongst dozens of other sons and daughters. Okay? The families or guardians of the victims received an urn along with a death certificate and other documentation listing a fictitious cause 
and date of death. As we read in that bullshit letter above, where again he said, regretfully, I must inform you that your child suddenly died from pneumonia. Physicians and institutional administrators falsified records in every case to indicate that the victims died of natural causes. So they did this tens of thousands of times. So to do this, you got to be a real scumbag. You've you got to really be. be looking the other way to I, not I know what's going on. Listen, sometimes I put out a smutty blog that just object, objectifies people's bodies, <laughs> male or female. I, I don't give a shit. doesn't matter. And I don't, I don't sleep as well that night. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I did a great job that day. You know what I mean? Like, you ever just feel a little bit guilty? Do you know what I'm saying? I lie to her all the time. You know what I mean? Where'd that last donut go? I don't know. Ask the kids. I don't feel good about myself. You know what I mean? Imagine you spent your day fucking falsifying. What did you do today? I got out about 30 or 40 false documents to people saying that the kids died of pneumonia. And then I gave them a bullshit urn that was filled with fucking cigarette ashes. That's fucking bad. It's a crazy day. Ah. Oh, boy. Yeah, you know, can you pour me a drink? Cracks a beer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, well, time to watch the Monday Night Football game. (laughs) What a fucking old school. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln. Yeah. What an old school ad for Meister Brow. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Kick back. <laughs> Schlitz yeah. beer. Yeah. The best action T4. And again, we're poking fun, but it's the it's crazy. But it all started with just the euthanasia program. And euthanasia means good death. That's what euthanasia means. Like I used to be like, all these little kids in Asia. Euthanasia means good death. But in the Nazi context, it was a euphemism or indirect term for a clandestine murder program of their own people. This wasn't the destruction of what the Nazis consider untermenschen, right? That's subhumans, untermenschen. It predated the genocide of European Jews, we know that as the Holocaust, by approximately two years. Actually, these were untermenschen. These were subhumans to them. I shouldn't say that. Like when I say untermenschen, I automatically think them, you know, gypsies and Jews and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But they also considered the disabled amongst the untermenschen. But this predates the Holocaust by two years. That's why I'm bringing it up. The program was one of many radical eugenic measures which aimed to restore the racial integrity of the German nation. It aimed to eliminate what eugenicists and their supporters considered life unworthy of life. Which, and this isn't, this isn't pro-life, pro-choice, right? These kids and adults are with us. It represented both a genetic and financial burden on gen- German society, so they had to go. And my point with this podcast is that it all started with the children. I'm not done with part one. Okay. That's kind of heavy right. shit, though, so far. Yeah, that's heavy. That's heavy. Also, I realize I just compared Hitler with Trump, and now I'm going to yeah. get about a billion yes. tweets. Yeah, we've yeah. done it twice so far. Yeah. yeah but, so I was saying they were calling me Libstool and stuff th- like that. Th- but I mean, he, they were both politicians, and they, they both had right. charisma. When I think of Joe Biden, I think of... of my grandma with dementia. I think yes. of the man that walks in front of my apartment right. to go into the grocery store every day with poopy pants, right. walking around in public. I think of me in five years. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. I, all right. So I all this shit it. was happening. However, there was a quasi-happy ending. Not a lot of happy endings in, uh, in Nazi Germany. After German parents, by the thousands, and again, I'm telling you right now, these are German parents who were sending German kids to German institutions and getting bullshit letters saying that the kids were killed. And it'd be like, can you fucking believe this, neighbor Vibs? I got this, holy shit, I got the letter too. I sent my kid away because he had the hair lip and the limp. And now all of a sudden he died of fucking pneumonia. My kid too. Let's get like, these kids some blankets. Right, so the fucking, these parents began protesting. Protests mounted within Germany, especially by doctors and clergy who had some set of balls. Some had the courage to write Hitler directly. Don't discount that because Hanny had mentioned it earlier. Hitler didn't take criticism well. 
right? There was a certain degree of bravery that a lot of people didn't have because a lot of times Hitler had that Kim Jong-un-ish where he would feed you to the fucking dogs. And they would describe the T4 program as barbaric. And others circulated their opinions more discreetly, you know, meaning more cowardly. But still, it started to float around within Germany. He didn't care what the rest of the country, what the rest of the world thought of him, but it started to uh, circulate within Germany. Germany. Finally, in 1941, Bishop Count Clemens von Galen publicly denounced the euthanasia program from his pulpit. And since Hitler did not need such bad publicity, and he couldn't kill a bishop, that's not easy to do, especially back then, on August 18, 1941, Hitler ordered that the systematic murder of the mentally ill and handicapped children be brought to an end. Hooray, right? Good for him. By that time, at least 70,000 so-called disabled Germans had already fallen victim to it. The saddest part is that they all hailed him a hero for ending it. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, he, what a great guy. Look, he I'm ended calling it. it a, I'm calling it a happy ending. This, and maybe maybe six and a half million Jewish uh, victims, uh, you know, souls, clouds our fucking minds, right? So when I say 70,000, you're like, hmm, you know what I mean, comparatively? 70,000 is a lot of fucking German, German people that just put to death. Yeah, kids. You're, you're not a hero if you put out the fire that you started. You yeah, there you mean? go. Yeah, so yeah. Let me give you an example that everyone will understand. Andrew Luck. Would dig his Colts team into a deep, deep hole, and then he'd always come back and like, oh, he's a hero. And it's like, no, he, it's his own fault that they were in that deep hole. Yeah. But you forget back then, it was you. There was it wasn't even snail mail. Mm-hmm. Like people did not get information yeah. in another town that was two miles away for a year. That's a good point. They were sending ravens. They were sending ravens. <laughs> I'm just saying, like you know, so they really didn't know who started it, but by then they all knew it was happening. And now they just know he's finishing it. I'm going to work off one of your points saying that Hitler is, is lauded for stopping that on uh, August 18th, 1941, after 70,000 so-called disabled Germans are already killed. Himmler, Heinrich Himmler, we know is a very bad guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Jack, you haven't been with us that long. Heinrich Himmler is not a good guy. You shouldn't have his training Good card. to know. Okay. He was the head of the SS, and he was the man who would um, – he was directly in charge with the systematic extermination of European Jewry. And he had only one regret, that the SS hadn't been put in, for, uh, in charge of the T4 program. So after all this good vibe, stop killing disabled kids by Hitler. Himmler in the back was like, if I only had that fucking program, we'd still be fucking churning them out. We'd know how to deal with it correctly without causing useless uproar among the people. <laughs> Himmler's not a good guy. We'll be back to him in a sec. I called it a quasi-happy ending because the, uh, the killing didn't actually stop at all. The halt to the T4 action did not mean an end to the euthanasia killing operation at all. In August of 1942, which was a year after it was put a halt to, German medical professionals and healthcare workers resumed the killings. So it was just put on hold for a year. They did it in a more carefully concealed manner than before, using more covert means of killing, and the euthanasia campaign resumed at a broad range of institutions throughout the Reich and continued until the last days of World War II, expanding to include an ever wider range of victims, including geriatric patients, myself, and bombing victims, people who were bombed who were German citizens. Historians estimate, this is my last point with uh, this, historians estimate that the euthanasia program, sometimes referred to as the war against the sick inside of the Reich, in all its phases claimed the lives of over 260,000 individuals. Boom. 260,000 individuals were euthanized. Germans were euthanized inside of... Uh, I hope people didn't know that, because I didn't know that. That's why I started this whole fucking thing. I didn't know that he put to death 260,000 
of his own people because they had some sort of uh, disorder. It wasn't just going into Poland and doing yeah. ho- uh, a Holocaust. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. other or, stuff, or to other programs. For their religion. Yeah, 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 hundred yeah. percent. So, uh, so I like, I don't like that. I hate that. But I'm hoping that that that's part one. If you've thought about protecting your home with security, but have been waiting for the right time, I got I got news for you guys. Right now, listeners of Twisted History can get 40% off Simply Safe's award-winning home security system. 40% off. If you're buying a house, cons, if, if you're doing any if you're if you're looking to protect your family, anybody, and you think you're gonna do it somewhere along the line, do it now because I'm gonna give you 40% off the opportunity with a great program. It's not Joe's house of fucking security. It's simply safe. Like we're talking about evil shit that happens in history. That's all we do on this podcast. If you want to protect your family, if I'm not scaring you into protecting your family, you can now do it for 40% off. You're fucking welcome. It was the best home security of 2022 by U.S. News World Report. I use and I trust Simply Safe to protect my, my wife and kids. Okay? And at Simply Safe. Your safety is the only thing that matters. You go on there, 24-7 professional monitoring costs about a dollar a day, less than half the cost of an ADT. ADT is probably the big, uh, the big boy. Uh, this is cheaper. This is cheaper than the ADT. Not cheaper from a quality um, standpoint. This is more affordable than ADT. It blankets your home in protection, advanced sensors. Listen, you set this up to exactly how you think people can get into your house. You figure out how you think it's going to happen, and they'll make sure that it doesn't fucking happen. All right? Their monitor experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you get the highest priority police dispatch. Don't miss this chance to save big when you protect your home with the best. Get 40% off your order when you visit simplysafe.com slash twisted today. S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash twisted today. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes. And that's simplysafe.com slash twisted. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, so uh, is that all we got for Nazis and kids? Not even fucking close. Uh, how they tried to make them. That was the second point. And I'm going to talk to you about the Liebensborn breeding program. Liebensborn meaning fount of life, fountain of life was the SS-initiated program that encouraged anonymous births by unmarried, racially pure women who were selected to breed with Nazi officers and secure the future of a super race for the German Reich. So you, you talked about how Hitler wasn't the most attractive guy. No, he, he, he was didn't not. necessarily hit the standards Correct. of the Aryan race. Mm-hmm. Didn't they run out of Germans that were like attractive and like, we can't, we don't have enough people to f- make an army, so we got to go make some more people. That is exactly what happened. So other than him saying that he's going to kill 750 out of a million kids, he didn't, right? We know that the euthanasia program took down about 260,000 people in total. But other than kind of wiping people out, the birth rate was very low in Germany. I'm going to talk about it. In the beginning of the early 1900s, Germany's birth rate was in decline. Why was that, Vibs? Tough economic times, a shortage of marriage-age men – Particularly after Germany's defeat in the First World War, a lot of guys that were in their prime fucking years were dead. And the other ones that weren't dead were now fighting in the Second World War. Mm -hmm. Okay what I mean? So the use of birth control, they finally found out about Z condoms, and women seeking abortions became common practice. By 1933, so so you can tell that there's a problem by 33 and the 39, the birth rate per thousand was only 14.7%. No, the average birth rate at that time, 1933, was over 18%. 
per thousand population. And that's including third world nations. Okay, so so Germany was very low with how many babies they were pumping out. And a lot of babies that they were pumping out, they were then killing. So the Liebensborn program was a method for Nazis to reverse the birth rate decline and at the same time create a superior Aryan master race, which would then dominate Europe as part of uh, Adolf Hitler's Third Reich. So in Germany, the birth rate was 14.7%. Yes. And globally, it was 18 On average. Whatever percent. 18 something yeah. percent. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I'm it was low. Yeah, so they got to get it up. Yeah, yeah. You got to get it up. Yeah. Get and up, you got to get up, it up. up. with. And so what they did is they would go out, look for people who looked healthy and Aryan, and then uh, bang them. That will take the baby after it's done and put it up for adoption. Uh, Third Reich. Do we know what, do you know what the Third Reich is? Do we, are we familiar yeah. with it? The, the, there's like the... Oh, large. Let me explain it to you. Please. The first Reich was the Holy Roman Emperor Empire, right? Correct. The second was the the mm, I don't know, and then the third was the Nazis. Right. So the Holy Roman Empire. That's exactly right. So the Holy Roman Empire. Barbarossa, your guy. Yep. Uh, Charlemagne, mm-hmm. my guy. French um, guy. I think. Yeah. So that lasted a thousand years. Okay. Holy Roman Empire. Lasted a thousand years. Then the Second Reich was the Hohenzollern dynasty, which was also called the German dynasty, right? And that didn't last a thousand years, but it lasted for a while. Depending on when you think that dynasty started, it lasted for a while, but it ended in 1918 at the end of World War I. And then the Third Reich, which started up after that under Hitler, which was supposed to be another thousand year Reich. Reich means just empire. It's German for empire. Sometimes it gets bastardized to being uh, government. So this third Reich, this third empire, after the Holy Roman and the German Empire, was supposed to last another thousand years, and it wound up lasting uh, 11. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so think, it did work out well. I think the Russians even use some of that terminology of, like, creating yeah. the Third Reich, like their own Reich. Uh... Well, people think, like, after World War II. Is after World War II technically the Fourth Reich? And they never say that because they're kind of saving the term Fourth Reich for the next Nazi uprising. Like, you know what I mean? Since it has such a negative connotation Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. opposed to just meaning empire. So they don't use Reich as like we're currently living in the Fourth Reich. The Lebensburn program expanded into several Nazi occupied countries because they couldn't get enough blondies in Germany. So they went to where? Norway. Up France. North. Yeah, right? They went to Belgium, resulting in a shameful post- post-war ostracism of the surviving Lebensborn mothers and the mistreatment of their displaced children. I'll get into that. An estimated 8,000 children were born in Lebensborn institutions in Germany, just in Germany, and up to 12,000 children in Norway. Norway seems like be the place I would go. But I wanted blonde broads, we went to Norway. Norway, Sweden. Yeah, so 8,000 in Germany, 12,000 in Norway, countless others across occupied countries where super babies have been selected to become of the ger- uh, part of the German master race. The most famous of the surviving Lebensborn babies is Frida Langstad of the iconic Take a Drink, Swedish pop band ABBA, the Swedish Beatles. One of the uh, singers from <laughs> ABBA, Take a Chance on Me, That's all wild. that shit. Yeah, she's a Lebensborn baby. Um, she never met her father, and she didn't know until much later in life that her dad was, uh, was a Nazi. And then she, she, she never met him up to that time. And then she wound up meeting him um, a couple of years before he had died. I just Googled this. Girls Dancing Queen is actually about 
Hitler. Is it? Yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, I that said I'd get back to him. <laughs> yeah. I said I'd get back to him. Heinrich Himmler, the head of the SS, he created the Lebensborn. And that's why nobody fucked with it. And he favored Norwegian women, much like me, for his program and set up the majority of his institutions in Norway. With their blue eyes and blonde hair, Norwegians were regarded by the Nazi regime as especially Aryan. Young women who could prove their Aryan ancestry were given incentives for bearing Aryan children, including financial support and privileged treatment in maternity homes. This became a survival strategy for these women. It's terrible, right? At a time when abortion was illegal in a lot of European countries, they could also have the option of leaving or donating their children in the Lebensborn special homes where the child would receive special nutrition and an upbringing and education that reflected the Nazi way of thinking. We'll get to that whole education in a sec. Due to the destruction and widespread cover-up of Lebensborn records, it cannot be confirmed whether young girls were forced to meet with Nazi officials. So we don't know, even though rape was big within the Third Reich. They love to kind kill, of do know. They love to rape. But there are no written records. Everything was wiped out about the Lebensborn program. In 1936, an ordinance was issued advising every SS member that he should father at least four children. Many of the fathers of the Lebensborn children were married, right? They were married members of the SS. And the SS was the most feared military unit of the Nazis, if you guys don't know. So they had their own families at home, but they obeyed Himmler in order to spread the Aryan seed even out of wedlock. What a tough call, right? It's, it's Go up what to the Norway, job calls start for. Yeah, it's, it's their duty. Yeah, yeah. Due to the secrecy of the program, the identities of the fathers were not recorded on the birth certificates. In 1939, membership of the Lebensborn stood at 8,000 males, of which 3,500 were SS leaders. So almost the majority were SS leaders. In most of these cases, the mothers agreed to put their children up for adoption, but they weren't informed that their kids would be taken away from, let's say, Norway and put up for adoption in Germany, which is where they were all sent to Germany. The Lebensborn facilities were established in former nursing homes, usually owned by Jews. The first of more than 20 Lebensborn homes opened up in 36 in a tiny village near Munich, and the first institution abroad was opened in Norway. In northern France, a home was opened in 1944, where an estimated 200 children were born. The building is still there, but now it's a branch of the Red Cross. And an even darker twist to the Lebensborn program. Let's do it. When the Nazis were not producing enough baby Aryans, all these SS guys were not putting enough babies on the tape. Heinrich Himmler took the mission to extremes. In 1939, under Himmler's direction, Nazis began kidnapping thousands of children. That's so It's so fucking bad. It's so bad that he probably was raping people all around like Finland and Norway and Germany even for that matter. And then when they weren't doing enough with that, they decided to kidnap thousands of children that were regarded as Aryan looking from foreign countries. Most notable <coughs> most notably Poland and Yugoslavia, excuse me. I'm gonna I, while you're while you're coughing, I'm just gonna come out and say this. I bet kidnapping a kid is such a rush. Just running in, putting a bag over them and just easy putting them do. in a sack and running. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, giving them back is also cool. Too. I would give them back in a second. Yeah, yeah but I just, psych. Hey. Yeah, yeah. 
pay more attention. Yeah, I can steal right? your kid whenever I want. Yeah, I tell watch you what, you make better parents. Yeah. You know, you go in there and fucking boom. Then you fucking Did you just, there's kid. a video of uh, some, some like Chinese school where they're teaching them not to take candy from strangers yes. and this stranger comes in hands them candy right. and if they say yes they take them and they walk out <laughs> it's and they crazy all, all the kids are like screaming and crying and yeah. no one will take the candy after they see a couple kids get taken it's a modified scared straight right yeah yes Pull my belt loop it, that, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it looks inhumane but it, i bet it works yeah uh so they went into poland yugoslavia russia ukraine czechoslovakia romania estonia latvia and norway they went everywhere kidnapping babies for the Lebensborn program. It's going into hospitals, seeing babies who are healthy, blonde-haired, and blue eyes, and taking them. This is how they justified that. This is my guy Himmler again. I can't say my guy. I apologize. Himmler, this is him saying again, it is our duty, it is our duty to take the children with us, to remove them from their environment. Either we win over any good blood that we can use for ourselves and give it a place in our people, or we destroy this blood. The Nazis have a way of saying shit that leaves very little for interpretation. Either we win over any good blood, or we destroy this blood. Right? So get the babies or kill them. That's kind of the way Genghis Khan would like take yeah. over places. He'd be like, hey, yeah. like you can either assimilate with us, or uh-huh. we're just going to wipe you out. Yeah, no-nonsense type shit. An estimated 200,000 children were stolen. Fuck from their parents in Poland, Russia, and several Eastern European regions for the purpose of quote-unquote Germanization. They were categorized into groups from the most desirable to the least Aryan-looking. 200,000 babies ripped from their moms. If you couldn't be help in building Hitler's master race, you were discarded and sent off to concentration camps. I shouldn't say babies in this case, right? These were children that were being kidnapped. I apologize. I'm giving you guys the the um, the image that they're going into nursery home uh, to nurseries and stealing babies. They were going around to like um, grammar school age kids who had already developed and started to show some sort of areas of, mm-hmm. and then kidnapping them, mm-hmm. right? And then you can either be of help or you can go work in the camps. Okay, if the child was considered acceptable, they would begin indoctrination, spending time at re-education camps, you know, to get the Latvian out of you before being fostered out to German families or boarding schools where they would become culturally German. These Germanized kids were told that their parents were dead. (laughs) Again, these are bad lies. Your parents are dead, kids. (laughs) Or do what we say. Or abandon them. So they're given new identities. And you're a fucking kid. You know, you're a six-year-old kid. Beautiful blonde hair. Like, they keep showing these kids on these pictures. This, this, This episode fucked with me. A little bit. So they give new identities, new names, birth certificates, and even like a fake lineage. And they were sent to Germany to live in institutions or with German families. Any children who fought against their indoctrination or resisted were sent to the work camps or killed. Again, pretty cut and dry. And since all records of these mass kidnappings were destroyed in the final stages of the war, the Polish government has claimed that less than 15% of the formerly kidnapped children were returned to their biological parents. That's another fucking crime. After everything, after the shit hit the fan and the Germans lost, remember, they lost. 85% of the kids that were kidnapped never got back to their fucking original parents. Uh, Then when the war ended, Norway, in particular, the place where I said they went for all these blondies and whatnot, Mm -hmm. were not kind to the Norwegian children... Uh, that were born or indoctrinated under the Liebensborn program. 
and local communities who had lived in starvation for most of the occupation sought revenge on both the mothers and the children of Nazi maternity homes who where members had received the best treatment available. Norway during World War II wasn't a cool place to be. So a lot of these women agreed to be in Lebensborn programs to get banged by an SS official just so they can get some bread. You know what I mean? Just so they could be guaranteed that the kid maybe that they're already carrying or the kid that they would be carrying or perhaps their family would get a couple extra fucking rations. So then when all the shit, the people who said they weren't going to do it or people who weren't you know, eligible for it, when the shit no longer hit the fan and the war was over, the people in Norway were very, very unkind to these poor kids that were born in the Lebensborn program. And that's when you see like girls getting their head shaved. Yes, like, I was going to bring it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so that's, that's from the Lebensborn thing. Mm-hmm. 50,000 Norwegian women had affairs with German soldiers. 50,000. They were thought of as German whores by other yeah. Norwegians and were disciplined with treatments like publicly having their head shaved once the war ended. Their children were taken away from them and most never saw them again. But I'm skipping ahead, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm skipping ahead because I wanted to do it in three parts. Who they turned away through a euthanasia program and other stuff. How they tried to make them through the Lebensborn program, which I just talked about now. So now we need to see what the Nazis did to the children they either bred, as we know, stole, or simply kept alive. So that's, that's going to be the end that mm-hmm. we're going to do now. But before I do that, I'm going to hit my last ad. And my last ad is for something that's very near and dear to my heart. It's NASCAR. Brother. NASCAR is back in South Florida. It's the Dixie Vodka 400 race weekend, right? It's at Homestead in Miami. Guess who's going? Me. I'm going. <laughs> championship, hopes will be, yep. uh, championship hopes will be on the line with one of the last chances to lock into the championship four. So the way that NASCAR works out is you get your final four drivers, and they'll race in Phoenix, which I believe I'll be at also. They'll race in Phoenix with a full field racing behind them, <laughs> which is weird that they wouldn't just have those four guys battling it out. Right. So they have only one spot that's guaranteed right now, three other guys fighting for a spot. They're going down to Homestead in Miami, and it's going to be a great fucking race. Like last week, uh, Bubba Wallace had um, you know ran Kyle Larson, spun him going 160 miles an hour. Now Bubba Wallace is suspended, which I think he should have been fucking suspended. So there's a lot of shit going on in NASCAR right now, and it's pretty fucking exciting. So if you tune in on October 23rd at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, you can watch the Dixie Vodka 400 race, and it's going to be awesome. Myself and Spider will be there. Um, Alex Bennett will be there. Jordan Woodruff will be there because we're going to Miami first. Mm -hmm. And you know who else is going to round that out? Glenny Balls. No. Ah. Give me Clummer. (laughs) (laughs) Get him ready for the Miami Heat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eddie. Chicago. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, Large, I love the fucking NASCAR. I mean, a lot of people think that blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Eddie, I'm so glad you... Large, but I heard you're not going to be there for the boat because we have like a yacht on uh, yeah, Saturday. Yeah. I'm not getting there till race day. So what am I going to do on a boat? I got, you know, Alex and Jordan, they can pair off. I thought me and you can hang out on a boat. And I'm not going to be able to go there. So I'm going to do the boat ride. Excuse me, I'm going to do the race with Eddie. It's going to be a good time. I still think you need to do a twisted history of Chicago. In Eddie's voice. <laughs> yeah, do the whole thing. <laughs> yes. By the way, Eddie does it's an excellent uh, biz. Yeah, so I, I have heard doing, his biz. Yeah, so I was thinking about doing Eddie interviewing Biz, but it's me talking. To, I think it's going to be one of those things that blows up the internet. Love it. So it'll be the second critical race of three in the round of eight for the Cup Series playoff, and the victory will give the winner an automatic berth in the round of four. Dixie Vodka 400 will mark the first time on this 1.5-mile venue for NASCAR's next-gen car. 
So to tune in to NASCAR's Dixie Vodka 400 race, you got to get in front of a TV at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on October 23rd. So I'm going to be there. I'm going to be covering this thing with Spider. I can't wait to be boots on the ground for that. And uh, so NASCAR is one of our sponsors, and I fucking love it. So Dixie Vodka 400 is this weekend at Homestead, Miami. Oh, and by the way, if you want to, get tickets. Adults, you can get tickets for 50 bucks, $49. And kids, you can get into the Homestead for like 10 bucks. And find me, and I'll have drinks with you. I'll have Dixie Vodka with you. What did they do with the kids that they uh, bred, stole, or kept alive? And the answer that they turned them into a very popular term, Hitler Youth, mm-hmm. right? Which in, in uh, German is called Hitler Jugend. Hitler Jugend. Jojo Rabbit had gave a good did look at the Hitler it? Youth. Did you? Did, I tried to watch it last night, and then we wound up getting a little bit uh, distracted. John said you should watch it before uh, uh, you do the You <laughs> don't. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got a little distracted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, welcome to the shots. party, pal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back shots. Every 23 what? fucking years. Yeah, what? Hey, Jojo yeah. Rabbit. That's your thing. Like, whatever. I don't give a shit. Um, yeah, yeah. Die. So, we, yeah, damn right you do. Uh, <laughs> and what you don't have, I give to you. Uh, so we wound up not watching. John said you should watch it before you do the, uh, the podcast tomorrow. I was like, maybe show up to the podcast tomorrow. Fucking guy. Fucking Fuck the Phillies. That's right. Uh, No, fuck the Phillies. Fuck the Eagles. No, I agree. I agree. Run that. Yeah. Yeah. Giant City. Let's go. You're not here. Yeah. We We tried to shit on Trump. We tried to shit on Joe. I shit on Kamala Harris. I believe I I threatened her. And now we shit on uh, Philadelphia. I don't know. We gotta we gotta pull this up by our fucking bootstraps. Every so why don't we lighten it up? Everyone heard of Hitler Youth, right? Like Hitler Youth is very popular Mm -hmm. term. Great haircuts. Yeah. By the way, that haircut, Annie had sent me an uh, article on it. Um, it's called the, the Fashy, mm-hmm. like for being fascist and stuff. Uh-huh. It's crazy how that haircut, I think of Brad Pitt in that movie where he drove the tank. Uh-huh. Fur- um, Fury? Fury. Yeah, I great. I loved it. Oh, I love it. It looks like yeah. a Peaky Blinder. Yeah. Yeah, Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was born out of trying to fit, uh, World War One to try to fit into helmets. Right. So they kept their hair slicked up top for some reason. Maybe it was a little bit of a cushion to Probably. the top of these fucking helmets. So they, they cut their hair. And then even Hitler's mustache, we've all known, was a reaction. His handlebar didn't fit in the gas masks. I know I'm doing this in front of a fucking mic. YouTube. The gas masks. You can watch it on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So the gas masks <laughs> from World Something War One. it didn't fit in there. So you had to go with the little uh, paintbrush. Right. So it's called a fasci. And it went from World War One to World War Two, Peaky Blinders. And now it's like Macklemore. Yeah, Macklemore, yeah. Peaky Blinders, and uh, Fury, I think, brought it back. And Iron Man, what's his name? Did he get his head shaved like that so he could get his eye tattoo? Aaron Rodgers has what's it now. Jason, oh, Jason Momoa. No, Jason Momoa still has the long shit in the back. He had the Skrillex. He still, yeah, he still has this. Yeah, that, that's the Skrillex. Yeah, very good. I'm hip. Yeah. What is it called? The Skrillex, where you like, shave like, one side and the rest is long. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Fuck Momoa. <laughs> so my, my point is, is that, you know... <laughs> But what, and this is to Vibs's point too, there are all these defining um, uh, aspects of being a Hitler youth. One of them was the dagger. And the dagger, Annie had sent me something because I was talking about it out loud while I was doing the research with her throughout this process. So she went online. And you can still buy Hitler youth daggers mm-hmm. for the real coins. ones. Yeah, for around $1,000. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why you'd want one, but you can still get one. Like, we are actually on a list now because we were looking up. How can I have a Hitler Youth dagger? Um, yeah, I Googled it. I'm on the list. And they make yeah. it you get so a replica that, for like 250 They They make it so that they, they put in a couple of different places. This is strictly historical value for yeah. no other purpose. We only, you know, they're yeah. covering their asses to make sure that, you know. Yeah. Um, so by the time Hitler came to power in 1933, hundreds of thousands of kids 
were members of the Boy Scouts, which was invented in England in 1909, spread across Europe. But they were, uh, who was a Boy Scout? Were you a Boy Scout? Yeah, Cub Scout. Okay. Ha, no, I, I fucked pussy, dude. <laughs> I, was, I was too busy fucking. I wasn't doing scout projects. Yeah, I, I wasn't a Boy Scout either. And that's no dig on you. I wasn't a fucking that's Weeblow. Fine. Where did you grow up? I dished that shit fast. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm from Jersey, Jersey Shore. Okay, down the shore. All righty, so... Uh, <laughs> that's where they filmed the Jason movies. Oh, really? Crystal Lake? No, yeah, it's um, but they filmed it like it's it's they on, used the Boy Scouts thing. Oh, I can't I thought, think of the name of it. <laughs> I thought it was on the Jersey Shore. I was like, fuck, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but 19- now you went there. Remember when you first got your you, you took Finn there? <laughs> that was remember. awful. Did I? Oh my god, you don't remember your oh, camping trip? Oh, on the on the the, the scouting uh, trip. Yeah, mm-hmm. Finn did it for a cup of coffee too, and uh, he it was it fucking creepy. awful. It was yeah, it was it was creepy. Yeah, yeah. But that's a, where they where you went is where they filmed. The Friday the 13th movie. Oh, okay. I get you. I'm sorry. I missed. I thought you meant down the Jersey Shore. <laughs> yeah. No, where we Jason's went was, was very mountainous and cold and, yeah, terrible It was for me. September. I would not have yeah. done well as, as a scout. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. He yeah. came back. He's like, well, I'm dying. <laughs> he needed, a, he needed yeah. his CPAP. 19, okay. <laughs> not, okay. Sus in the air. Is he with the CPAP stuff? Yeah. He's talking about clapping cheeks. And now you're talking about me putting yeah. on a fucking aqualung to sleep. Uh, so England, 1909. They start Boy Scouts. By 1933, there's hundreds of thousands of kids in it. Since 1922, the National Soci- uh, Socialists had a youth arm designed to train and recruit members for its paramilitary. And as the National Socialists, better known as the Nazis, became more powerful, their youth arm grew. Nazis comes from National Socialists. Since I can barely say it, it's good that they change it to Nazi. In January 1933... To keep these in mind. So by 33, there were 50,000 members members of the Hitler Jugend, the Hitler Youth. By the end of the year, there were more than 2 million. And in 1936, Hitler banned all other youth groups, including the Boy Scouts. No more Boy Scouts. And forced members to become part of the Hitler Youth instead. Jewish kids were banned from participation, obviously. By 1939, right, so we said in 1933 there were 50,000 members. By 1939, over 90% of German children, boys and girls, were part of the Hitler Youth Organization. Membership increased to 8 million by 1940. That's pretty good. And there were separate Hitler Youth groups for boys and girls. Boys aged 6 to 10 joined what was called the Little Fellows, the PIMF. They did mainly outdoor sports, including hiking, rambling, I don't know what that is, and camping. Then boys 10 to 13 joined German young people, which was called the Deutsche Jungfolk. They did sporting activities, but they had more military emphasis, such as parading and marching, as well as map reading. They also learned about Nazi views on racial purity and anti-Semitism, because you really want to get that into kids around 10 or 11. Boys aged 14 to 18 joined the full-blown Hitler Youth, the Hitler Jugend. They were prepared to be soldiers by doing military activities. Let's talk about the girls. The girls started a little later. They didn't start till 10. And girls aged 10 to 14 joined what was called the Young Maidens, the Jung Model, where they were taught good health practices as well as how to become good mothers and housewives. Uh, Girls aged 14 to 21 joined the League of German Maidens, Deutsche Model where they were further prepared for their roles as the mother of future Germans. 
For the Nazis, these groups had a shitload of benefits. Not only did they allow the Third Reich to indoctrinate children at their most impressionable, 10 years old, but it let the Nazis remove them from influence of their parents. So it wasn't as much as the Nazis were Nazifying them, they were taking them out of homes where they may not have been Nazified at all. That kind of starts to explain some of the stuff where the brainwashing comes in as young as 10. The Hitler Youth was a way to get Hitler's ideology into the family unit, and some members of the Hitler Youth even denounced their parents when they behaved in ways not approved by the Reich. And they narc on their parents. Imagine 14 years old. Say, no, beat no, that. that wouldn't go. I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'd beat that little fucker. He'd rat me out. Yeah. The Boy Scouts were banned. I said that. But the Nazis co-opted many of its activities and traditions. Hitler Youth took part in typical scouting-type activities, like camping trips, singings, uh, like they would sing songs to Hitler, which must have been fucking creepy, <laughs> uh, crafts and hiking. They went to summer camps, wore uniforms with flair, you know what I mean, recited pledges, and told stories over campfires. Over time, those activities changed. The girls' groups focused on things like rhythmic gymnastics and winter coat drives, but the boy, yeah, go ahead. I, I just want to say I know uh, Hitler Youth is like against the Nazis are against like homosexuality, but yes. parades, flair, singing, singing, yes, kind of gay, <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah. They imposed military-like order on members, trained young men in everything from weapons to survival, and all groups included hefty doses of propaganda that encouraged almost religious devotion to the Fuhrer. And I put up a picture. That's a creepy-ass picture, huh? Yeah. Look at all these fucking kids. Look at them, like, looking at them. You know? I, I've never felt that strongly about everything. Fear. I was, I was religious as Nobody a Nobody put kid. the fear of God in you to, to well, think My whole point is, is that you say that term, and you say perfectly, fear of God. I was a religious youngster. I had the fear of God. Like, I thought I was going to go I to hell. I had to break you. Like, I, I had, you know, God was up top, and mm-hmm. then right behind him was Santa. Then right, right. behind him was fucking the police not fucking the police. The police, then the my my teachers, and then my parents. Like I had a bunch of people right. that were watching me and were disappointed if I masturbated. But now it's like the fear of God was never as big as the fear of Hitler. Like, I'm looking at that Hitler Youth picture where all the Hitler Youth are around Hitler and they're all so excited. Like if George W. Bush showed up at my school when I was ten, I'd be like, "What the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. I don't even. I don't care about the president." Mm. I'm not in an indoctrination right. class of George W. And Bush. And to show you the generation gap and between us, when World we were War. kids, if the police chief walked into your school, everybody knew his name. Mm-hmm. Everybody stood a little straighter. You, you, you didn't walk out of line if the manager from the local pharmacy came out front. Mr. Briggs. That's right. You, you were like, <laughs> she's outside. Mr. Briggs is outside. Yeah. Like everybody knew there was there was that influence on on local kids. Now mm-hmm. they just. They don't. They don't care. They're yeah. dying their hair in front of Walgreens because they couldn't care less who the manager was inside, and nobody knows the manager's name. Dying their hair in front of Walgreens. That's, what, well, that's yep. the newest one that I had <laughs> to attend. We need to move to a tougher probably town. Probably dying their we hair pink. Listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> Your daughter did it the other day. <laughs> I got that. So problem some boys going. Resu- <laughs> some boys refused to join the Hitler Youth and took youth groups underground. One such group called the Idelweiss Pirates even attacked Hitler Youth members and work to sabotage your activities. That's cool. About 5,000 Edelweiss pirates are thought to have defied the Nazis, scribbled anti-war graffiti on walls, and participated in various types of violent and nonviolent resistance. That's pretty cool if your kid's part of that. But in 1944, six of these little sons of bitches were hanged without a trial due to their suspected involvement in all this, right? Mm. Scouts in occupied countries resisted too. In France, 
Boy Scouts rescued 40 Jewish children from deportation. And in Auschwitz, a group of Polish Boy Scouts resisted and even escaped the Nazis. As the war went on, it became clear that Hitler's youth's real goal was to create more soldiers for the Reich. Children who had been saturated in Nazi ideology for years made obedient and fanatical soldiers. I'm going to talk about that in a second, too. Eventually, those soldiers became younger and younger. Starting in 1943, all boys, 17 and older, were forced to serve in the military. In 1945, the desperate Nazi leadership, right, because this is when the shit had already hit the fan, began pulling younger boys out of school and sending them to the fucking front line. They weren't asking them to work in, like, you know, the mess halls and stuff. They were sending them to the front line. These inexperienced children were essentially conscripted for suicide missions. If they balked, they were executed. Those who survived faced harsh treatment at the hands of the Allies who captured them. Like, you're capturing a fucking soldier, a prisoner of war, and he's 15 years old. After the war, the Hitler Youth was disbanded. Today, the group is considered one of the most chilling facets of the Nazi regime. I agree with that. Proof that a totalitarian state can use children to feed its armies and further its hateful ideologies. One Hitler Youth soldier, his name was Heinz Schutz. He was 15. He was from Leipzig. He was only given a half day of training with a Panzerfaust. And he was immediately given an SS uniform and decided and directed to go to the front lines to fight. Towards the end of the war, the Germans established an entire Panzer tank division with the majority of its recruits being 16- and 17-year-old boys. In the 1st Battalion, over 65% were under 18, and only 3% were over 25. These are kids. There were more than 10,000 boys in just that one division. Those are kids. Yeah, I think when, when the Red Army got to Berlin, they were kind of shocked that it was like 15-year-old kids guarding the city. Yeah, They're just yeah. so young. I know the average age of Vietnam was 19 because there was like a disco song to it. Vietnam, he was 19. No, 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 no. But like, so we're looking like 15s here. That's bad. To ABBA? <laughs> no, it wasn't. The 12th Panzer Division of the Hitler Jugend was established later in World War II as Germany suffered more casualties and more young people volunteered initially as reserves but soon joined the front line. Those children saw extensive action and they were called the most fierce and most effective German defenders in the Battle of Berlin. I kind of get that. If all of a sudden we get Jack Coleman there and we're teaching him to become like a Nazi fucking lunatic soldier since he's 10, then yeah, maybe by the time he's 16, yeah. put him on the fucking front lines. They don't fear death. Right. Yeah, just, all uh, they know is modern warfare too, and that ain't real life. Yeah. <laughs> all right? Yeah. But So I'm saying how young it was, but outside of those outliers – the 15-year-old kid who's put in a tank a day and a half after being trained. It wasn't a huge departure from the U.S., which allowed men and women 18 years or older to be drafted or enlisted, and 17-year-olds were also allowed to enlist with parental consent. That's wild. World War II, you can be 17, once your parents sign off on it. What parent would sign off? Kind of like Whatever. a tattoo. Yeah, like. this is a small left turn. The youngest member of the United States military was a kid named Calvin Graham. This is pretty cool. He was 12 years old. He lied about his age, and he enlisted in the U.S. Navy. His real age was not known until after he took some shrapnel during Guadalcanal. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Damn. After Guadalcanal, he came back. Then It wasn't actually in the hospital. I think he had then went kind of AWOL to his grandmother's funeral when he got back stateside. And then like his family had said that he was only 12 when he got in. So he got into some trouble. He was kicked out. But he's actually a bigger story. 
So he's in war at 12. At Guadalcanal. Guadalcanal at 12. At 12, he was shipped to fucking Pearl Harbor and then shipped over to Guadalcanal. This is a very interesting story. He's named Calvin Graham. Uh, Calvin Graham. Kicked out by 13. He was married at 14. He had a kid at 15. He was divorced at 17. He re-enlisted in the Marines while he was 17, right? The military wound up denying him a full pension because that first veterans thing that he had done at Guadalcanal... Technically, he didn't. He had a dishonorable discharge, mm. but I think he petitioned and he did get something back. He was played by Ricky Schroeder in a fucking TV movie or something like that. So I'll get to him at some point. But Calvin Graham was a twelve-year-old soldier, and when you see his not his mugshot, his uh, his ID picture from the Navy, he kind of looks twelve. Yeah, I mean, I I know like maybe when I was twelve, I looked like I was thirty. This kid kind of looked twelve. As a twelve-year-old looking man. Let me look him up. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and this is the last thing I'm going to say. Kids under 18 in war. I, like, obviously, we have problems with that, right? We have, I, I think we all have problems with kids who are under 18 fighting for our country. Yes. I think kids who are 18 might be able to drink. Like, I, I've always thought they should kind of lower that age, maybe. Yeah, if particularly you're, you're, you're old enough to die, old enough yeah, to drink. I think so, yeah. So, um, but here's one of the big things. How do you convict those kids after the fact as war criminals? Like, when these kids do very, very bad things under the age of 18, as, as oh, Calvin at the age of 12, you know, the kid in the tank at the age of 15, how do you convict them as, as war criminals? Following the creation of the United Nation in 1945, so way back, it's not new, child rights have been asserted and fucking protected. Immediately following World War II, children involved in armed conflict, this is a quote, were not able to be prosecuted as the legislative instruments do not exist to do so. Currently, today, international law does not prohibit children in being prosecuted for war crimes they committed, but, here's another quote, neither capital punishment nor life imprisonment without possibility of release shall be imposed for offenses committed by persons below 18 years of age. So you can still get in trouble, but you can't be put to death, which a lot of war criminals, traditionally they get put to death, or they get life in prison. A lot of them get that too. Neither of those are on the table when you're under 18. Then the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court, this is more recent, adopted in 1988, came into force in 2002. Conscripting or enlisting children under the age of 15 into a national armed forces or using them to participate actively in hostilities is a war crime in itself. So these war criminals who are underneath 18 have to be treated lenient, leniency, have to be given leniency, but the governments that conscript them 15 or younger can be co- convicted of war crimes. Makes you sense. can't fucking draft kids. I think that Makes does sense. make That's sense. Right. I'm, I'm fine with that yeah, law. Yeah. So according to international law, those children accused of war crimes should primarily be treated as victims and treated in accordance with international law under rehabilitation. That is consistent with child protection treaties and principles. As a result, two 15-year-old ex-Hitler youth, this is the only place I could find this throughout all the Nuremberg trials and whatnot, there were two uh, Hitler youth, they were 15 years old while they were actively in World War II. They were um, convicted of violating laws of war by being party to shooting a prisoner of war. These kids shot innocent POWs. But their age was a mitigating factor in their sentencing, so they ex- they escaped execution and they escaped lifetime sentences. So it was put into practice directly after World War II. That's it. That's all I got on Hitler's kids, right? Eight million of them at one point, probably more. A lot of them were gotten through ill-gotten means. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were killed 
uh, unnecessarily. I'll say this. All of them were killed unnecessarily. So in case you thought that Hitler was a good guy, he wasn't. And he also wasn't a good quote-unquote father. That was a twisted history of uh, Hitler's kids. Uh, Are you saying Hitler's kids reminded me one more thing I wanted to say about Donald Trump's children? Oh, no. (laughs) No, uh, Yeah, if you think we're being political on this podcast or we have political beliefs, you're an idiot. We believe in nothing. We just are here for facts. We are agnostic. Um, All right, so thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in once again to uh, Twisted History. And uh, and we'll say, thanks, Jack, for sitting in for John. Thanks, Eddie, for doing everything that you do. I've been uh, such a good sport, me being inappropriate. Bibsy, that shirt is awesome. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Go Pacers. <laughs>